there's one thing that everyone associates with London life, it's the iconic black cab. Today's guest is the capital cabbie himself, David Burnett's, who's been a London licensed taxi driver since 1978. Just imagine that for a moment. David has been driving clients around our magnificent city for over 40 years. I had the pleasure of chatting with David in the back of his spacious cab whilst parked up outside Christie's Auction House in beautiful St. James's. Being a born and bred Londoner, David has seen many changes to the culture, street scene and music that is synonymous with our capital. Not only does he know every nook and cranny from taking the knowledge back in the 70s, but he's also a qualified London Green Badge tour guide, which he gained from the Museum of London. If you want to take one of David's many fascinating tours from the Harry Potter experience to Beatles London or the Jewish East End, or have him create your own bespoke day out, there's little that he doesn't know. In this episode, David takes us on a historical tour of the famous Black Cab and his own personal London journey. I'm thrilled to welcome on board IQ Boxing as the very first sponsor of Your London Legacy podcast. Run by the inspirational head coach, Xavier Miller, IQ Boxing Club in Neasden, Northwest London, is one big close-knit family where the boxers and coaches have excellent working relationships and every boxer supports each other on their individual journey. Every young boxer is given individual time so that they can flourish as a boxer, but more importantly, as a person of character. Regular classes are held for juniors and amateurs, and there are also keep fit boxer-sized classes. IQ Boxing is built on the pillars of respect, hard work and dedication, and with its supportive trustees, grows from strength to strength. You can find out more about the London legacy IQ Boxing are creating by following them on Instagram at IQXavierMiller or www.iqboxing.co.uk. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is Your London Legacy. So we're good to go, David, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Your London Legacy. Thank you very much, Stephen. I have to say, I've interviewed, well, I think we're about guest 43 or 44 at the moment, and I've interviewed a number of my guests in some fairly unusual places, from uh, the Men's Pond in Hampstead, to people's back gardens, to museums, to bedrooms and, you know, houses <laughs> and offices and all sorts of weird and wonderful places. But this is the first time I've ever conducted an interview in the back of a black cab. Oh, fantastic. So um, I'm really quite excited about this, to be honest with you. I think the acoustics should be pretty good anyway. Oh, I would hope so. Is this Welcome a, to my world. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And thank you very much for, uh, for inviting me. And I should point out, we're, not only are David and I, and I'll introduce David in a second, in the back of his, uh, his famous black taxi hackney carriage, but we're actually parked up pretty much directly outside the main entrance doors for Chris, Christie's. The Christie's The Auctioneers uh, in King Street. So just around the back of uh, Green Park Station and Piccadilly. It's a beautiful part of London. And I'm assured by David that we've got plenty of time here on the on the on the taxi rank, so uh, so let's go for it. So I'd like to introduce to you today um, my latest guest, who is David Burnett's, with an S on the end, not David Burnett. So thank you very much, David. You're welcome, Stephen. Uh, it's black cabs have always been well, they're a fascination for me, but they're a fascination for Londoners and for tourists in London because they're an iconic symbol of London and Londoners throughout throughout the generations and it was only when I was doing a little bit of research on on you and black cabs that I really sort of started to reflect on how significant cabs have been in the in the in the history of of London and the growth of London over the years so to be sat here is lovely so let's start off with a little bit of history about you first your personal history I mean you've been a black cab driver what do you what do you prefer to call yourselves 
um, as a collection. I'm a cabbie. A cabbie. I'm a cabbie. I've been a cab driver, a cabbie, for just over 40 years. That's I wasn't born time. with a steering wheel in my hand. Started life out um, in uh, Tottenham, West Green Road. Good place. We like Tottenham. Absolutely. So that's where my other love is uh, comes from, um, Tottenham. We, we, found, we, we found out before we came live on the mic that D- David and I are both, we joined at the hip really, we're both lifelong Spurs fans. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And born there and spent uh, four or five years uh, in Tottenham. Then my family, we moved over to uh, Southgate, which is a, a lovely um, North London suburb. And... Uh, Lived a very charmed, lovely, happy life in the 60s and decided when I left school, and that was at the age of 15, because you could leave school um, at, uh, at 15 in those days, I'd go into my father's um, b- business and I became a, um, a bespoke tailor. The, uh, the 60s, well, this is uh, uh, the late 60s by now, it was a very exciting time to grow up. The music culture had changed drastically. We weren't listening to stuff out that our parents had um, listened to um, years before. We had uh, the Beatles. We had the Rolling Stones. London was a great place to be. And um, I began to hone my skills as far as the fashion industry went. I went to the uh, London College of um, of fashion and uh, I passed all my exams in the city guilds in uh, design and textiles and um, in and also in bespoke work. Circumstances kind of changed a bit and I had a change in um, career direction and um, I tried all different types of things. Uh, I was working in boutiques uh, in Chelsea and in Kensington, very swinging, very hip place to be. Kensington Market was a great place. Uh, the aroma of different herbs filled the air. Because, of course, that would have all been brand new in those days. I mean, now now Absolutely. we take for granted yes. sort of different foods and spices and things. But back then, it must have been, wow. Yeah, and this these particular herbs had a certain wow to them. Now that's a different sort of herb you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> herbs that some of our politicians are talking about, <laughs> trying to be elected as a prime minister. Uh, those sort of herbs. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. possibly say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was a great place uh-huh. to be very, very vibrant, yeah. beautiful place. Then um, I started to change again the di- direction of my work, and I was working in a market store in Petticoat Lane where I ran my own business. What were you selling? I was, well, originally, my first day out in Petticoat Lane, I was selling confectionery. I was able to get um, confectionery on a salary term basis, so I didn't have to lay out any money for stock. And the first day I started, the rains absolute, um, the heavens absolutely opened and it rained continuously. So I was knocking out Mars bars, I think it was three for two bob, and they were very, very wet and tins of uh, sweets at absolute giveaway prices. It was great fun, though. What was what you might have to explain? What two bob is? Uh, that would be <laughs> to about the uninitiated 10p. youngsters who are listening. About ten p. Yeah, if only ten <laughs> p. Then I 
started to diversify and started to sell uh, leather goods, leather belts, uh, footwear. And uh, by this time, we're into the early 70s, 71-ish, 72 possibly. And, you know, the uh, women's footwear at that point were very high leather boots or suede boots with um, about six-inch platforms, mm-hmm. stacked heels. Yeah. And the guys' boots weren't much different to that either. <laughs> Mine were actually fantastic when I was able to keep them on. And it was a great deal of fun. I thoroughly enjoyed the period of time we had there. Then the other love of my life walked in, and that was going, was going to be my future wife, my future bride, Maureen. Call her Mo for short. Hello, Mo. Hi, Mo. And we dated for quite some time. And uh, it came to a point where I would have to ask her father, may I take your daughter's hand and make an honest uh, woman out of her? He says, you know, he was over the moon. Uh, but he says, how are you going to support her? How are you going to keep her in the The age-old question she, <laughs> all dads want to know the answer to. <laughs> how are you going to keep her in the life that she would like to become accustomed to? Uh, because market training was great, but he, well, I must add at this point, that he was uh, a cabbie himself. Uh-huh. And I did have other cab drivers within my family. So I said, well, you know, I'm not quite sure. He said, well, have you thought about becoming a cabbie? I said, no way. And well, why, why was that your first reaction? I thought, no, I don't think I could spend my days behind a steering wheel. Uh-huh. I just don't think I could do it. Right. Um, as much as I admired him and his work ethic, I don't think I could match up to that. Mm. And, what, 41, 42 years down the line, I'm pleased I took his advice. It's given me a fantastic career. I've enjoyed virtually every minute of it. People I come across are interesting, informative. It's just been a joy. I mean, I'm working in the best possible city in the world. It's probably the capital city of the world. Yeah, That's interesting you say that, and that's a great potted history of your of your life up until the time you became a, a cabbie that's that's fantastic and it's it's really nice to hear how you came into the industry if you like why do you say that london is possibly the capital city of all cities in the world not just europe but in the world what is it you've obviously worked as a cabbie and lived in london all your life and you've been a cab driver for 41 plus years i yeah, think now yeah what is it in a nutshell that makes it so special in your mind I think the, it's to do with the diversity of the people who work here, who live here. We have buildings which, with such historic value. We have Parliament here, which for all its downfalls, and there are plenty of downfalls, is still a fantastic democratic Parliament, and that's how democracy works. And I think this is how people like to emulate what we have. Because London, more now probably than ever before, and obviously I, I appreciate I was born in the 60s. I wasn't, you know, you're probably a little bit of a generation, half a generation yeah. to work <laughs> ahead of me. So I couldn't participate in some of the, um, the sweet smelling things you were just talking about <laughs> back then. But in the 60s, things were moving on at great pace in terms of the growth of London and the culture. 
today I think things are so diverse. There's so many cultures and we take so many things for granted in music, in fashion, in art, in ethnicity. And it's so densely populated. I mean, how have you seen the changes from when you started 40 odd years ago in London from a cultural point of view? I think as each generation moves along, we become more accepting and more tolerant Mm. of people coming into our country and contributing. Um, Immigrants over the years from the early 50s, in fact, earlier than that, but let's say, let's take, take it from the 50s. I mean, let's talk about Windrush. Uh, when that, those, that generation came over, they brought so much with them, so much diversity and culture with them in the form of music, in the form of fashion. And from then on, London has welcomed so many other people coming to our shores just wandering around Brick Lane that has welcomed immigrants from the 1700s when the Huguenots Mm -hmm. came across here uh, and they brought the silk weaving uh, industry with them Uh, they also brought the cigar industry with them and then later later on the Irish um, came over and brought lots of their um, culture with them and in the late 1800s we had the uh, Jewish uh, immigrants coming from Eastern um, Europe who brought a special, a specialised type of ethic with them and uh, different types of skills and, um, and different foods uh, and different culture with them. If you walk down Brick Lane nowadays, it's buzzing, it's, uh, as the nickname suggests, as a... Uh, Banglertown is a fabulous place to be in. Mm. You walk down Brick Lane and the aromas drifting from shop to shop are absolutely fantastic. You have curries. Um, Recently, I had a walk down there. I was doing a tour. And there are so many beautiful chocolate shops there. And the aroma of fresh chocolate is actually out of this world. Yeah, wonderful. I haven't been there for, for many years, actually. Must be somewhere. In fact, maybe I'll, you can take me there one day. Absolutely. <laughs> so London is a, is, is a wonderful, beautiful place, and you've been a black cab driver f- for, for many years, and we've said it's, it's grown and the culture. And, and that, that's the wonderful thing about you can say to any person, what is a Londoner to you? And I think it's very difficult to pinpoint what a Londoner is nowadays because you don't have to be a pearly king and queen anymore or be a no. core blimey cockney, you know, born within spitting distance of the Bow Bells. Bow Bells, that's right. <laughs> um, People who live and live and work in and around London to me are all Londoners. And if, and if they love London, then that's that's fantastic. And I say this to to lots of lots of people. I I love travelling. You know, I love travelling around Europe, particularly. Yeah. I, lo- I love Europe. I think Europe is beautiful. And whenever I'm away, it's not that I can't wait to get back. But when I get back, I always feel ah, you know, I'm back. Love, there's no. I, as we were talking before, I was in Madrid last week or the week before, following my beloved uh, Tottenham Hotspur losing in the. Uh, Champions League final, <laughs> yeah, and um, one does. Madrid is a stunning, stunning city. It's beautiful. It's not on the scale of London, but it's again a fabulous historic with buildings and diverse and cultural diversity. It's fantastic, but it doesn't compare to London in my in my book. No, I think this is a wonderful place. So let's move on. Talk to us because a lot of people will want to know know about the knowledge 
And the knowledge is what you have to do, as I understand it, to become a fully-fledged licensed black cab driver. Yes. So tell, uh, me, tell me how you do the knowledge, how you learn the knowledge past the, that. The knowledge. Uh, it's been in existence uh, since 1851. That is uh, the year we had the uh, great um, exhibition in uh, Hyde Park. That was augmented by uh, Prince Albert. That's one of the... Uh, projects that Queen Victoria gave him where he could uh, highlight products not only made here in um, the UK but also worldwide and they say that the knowledge started at that point because when the people had finished visiting the great uh, exhibition at Hyde Park they would try to get um, a handsome cab in those days to take them back to where they wanted to go to. And they found that the taxi drivers didn't always know the, the possibly the best route to take. So they thought at that point, the powers that be, that this would be a good time to actually um, facilitate a structured learning process. And that is called the knowledge. The knowledge has changed over the years, but basically it's still the same as when I, I completed mine just over 40 years ago. Uh, the candidate or the applicant applies to the public uh, carriage office to become a cabbie. You fill out forms um, and it's quite um, an arduous form to fill out. They want to know absolutely everything about your background, which is absolutely fine. And then uh, they get you to come in in a group. There's normally 20 or 30 uh, guys and girls because there's lots of women, thankfully, mm -hmm. cab drivers Good. out there. And um, It never used to be. Never used to be, but there are more and lots more today, of them see, now. Yeah. And <clears throat> they're a great, great boon and asset to mm, our indeed. industry. And um, they get you into, uh, into a group and... Usually the chief examining officer will come along and give you a pep talk. And usually in no uncertain terms, he'll say, well, out of the, the group that I have here at the present time, 90% uh, of you will fail. That's encouraging. Which is absolutely <laughs> great. <laughs> so uh, the knowledge is a process where you're issued with um, a book of routes. It's about 320 routes. If you can imagine a bicycle wheel and you've got the spokes leading from the middle, the mm -hmm. hub, yeah. going outwards. And that's more or less what the knowledge is. You have to learn uh, about 23, 24,000 streets. Is that all? That's the easy part. Right. The more difficult and challenging part is finding what's in those streets, uh -huh. the points anywhere that a customer or fare would want to go to. Where on earth does one start with that sort of, you've got to be Mr. Memory Man. It's mind-boggling. It really is. And this is where the first bit of confusion comes into it with the book they give you. It's called, in that book, it's called a blue book, and it's called Blue Book Runs, 300, about 320 blue book runs. The book isn't blue, it's a pink book. 
<laughs> it's Perfect. an oxymoron in itself. <laughs> and I say, basically, it has changed somewhat over the years, but basically, you start learning those roots. You eat them, sleep them 24 hours a day. And this is a process which is self-funding. There's no organisation to fund the candidate. Uh-huh. You do it yourself. Right. If you want to become a cab driver, you've got to do it yourself. You've got to There's be no pretty question. dedicated. Absolutely. Was your, um, think about it, was your father-in-law helped you in sort of, presumably you got someone to test you like people do. Yes, you, yeah. go, you do go to school as yeah. well. You, there are schools about. Uh-huh. And yes, my father-in-law did help me. And I think it was at some points when it may have come to a point when he may not wanted to be my father-in-law <laughs> but we we got through that and he he was he was a massive help good bless him yeah he good. really was so how long did it take you to go through that process so it took me about two and a half years is that average is that That's around about average yeah. you get some guys who have got a photographic memory and they take everything in first time they go down the street mm. and they can get out in sometimes less than a year then there are other guys who I know who have taken 10 years Blimey. without any exaggeration. I, I think I'd have given up a long, long time um, before then. But it's also not only a test on what you know as far as London streets and what's within them, but it's also very much a test on the temperament. Sure. The um, examiners will examine you monthly. Well, first of all, it starts off at... 56 days. After your prep talk, the uh, examiner say, well, go away, learn the first 30, 40 runs on the lists, then make an appointment, come back in 56 days. Then you go back 56 days and the examiner will not necessarily ask you the points that you've learned. Mm. That's not the name So can of they the ask game. you any, any route, yes. any combination of routes within those? In reverse. Those? Backwards, from, sideways, linking one run to another run. And are they asking, are they after the, the quickest way to get from A to B? Yes. They are. The most direct The route. most direct route. And please tell me where, you know, which road I would have to drop you off if I was going to the Palladium, for example. Absolutely. They yeah. want to know, turning right, turning left, turn, sitting down on the left, Palladium via Argos. And would you need right, to know, so. for example, all the, so road, not necessarily current road closures, but if there was a no-through road or it was a left turn only here or one-way oh, yes. street, you'd need to know you all of that. You'd be expected to yeah. know that yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. Wow. Okay. And it, it's, it's quite I'm a fe- task. I'm feeling stressed already. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a task. And... Uh, so that's 56 days, and um, then as you start answering the questions, they sometimes would ask you four, five, six uh, questions. Um, it would be a bonus if you could actually answer one completely. But as you progress, you do start to answer more and more. Mm. And then the time intervals in between the appearances uh, start to come down. They'll start saying, well, could you come back in 28 days? When you get to that point, you know you're getting somewhere. And then uh, as time goes on, it'll be 21 days and two weeks. And then by that time, you know you're going to be out quite shortly. And then you have to take a special driving test. But I say all the time, they're prodding you and prodding you all the time to test your temperament. Because if they get the sense that you could explode, either with the traffic or mm. with a customer, you're not the kind of person 
to be to be mm. driving a taxi. Because we all know cabbies are all perfect temperament, aren't they? They've all got oh. they're all placid. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse the frog in my throat. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll come on to one or two stories of <laughs> that, that in a bit. So, two and a half years. I mean, do you do you have to go out on a moped sort of driving yes, around London? Yes, certainly have That'll... to go a moped it, in all weathers. And whose moped is this? Is this one you have to buy or rent? Yes, or, no, you, know? you, can, you had to buy. You have to buy your own. This is all at your own cost. Everything at wow. your own cost. But it's a great experience, though. I mean, presumably you may not have felt that at the time, but actually you're studying London and the history of yes, London. Yes, yes. Oh, I wasn't studying so much the history. Well, by looking uh, at the buildings. And, later on. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. But because you just have to process everything you saw in your mind. Mm. And hopefully you could collect that data and refer to it very quickly when someone asks for it. Mm. Um, and now as a cabbie... Presumably, you've had this for many, many years. You've got like a mental map of London in your in your mind the whole time. I mean, if someone says, "I want to go," I don't know, from here to Tottenham Court Road, for example, you will know instantly. Yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. see a little pictorial thing coming up in your brain. Yes, yeah, yes. and you'll know straight away. Absolutely. So, how has um, things like sat navs and ways and all that sort of stuff impacted you and your knowledge of London and getting from A to B? Right now, um, the sat nav is a fantastic invention. It's a useful tool, but it is purely that. It's a tool. It cannot replace the knowledge. That's something that one has to have because often customers will come into a taxi and say, drive up, uh, there's um, a shop in Soho with a grey railings outside with a green awning. Can't remember the name of it. Can't remember the street of it. Do you know it? Yes. And you'll take that. You won't find that on a sat nav. No. A sat nav will, particularly here in town, will lose reception. You'll lose signal. You've had it with your phone. I've had, had it with my phone. Sure. And if you're relying on a, a sat nav. In fact, Vodafone was down, I think, yesterday. Oh, absolutely. The whole network. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're relying on sat nav, it just won't work. It yeah. can't work. Do you, do you use it at all in your uh, yes, day-to-day I, travels? I, I do. If I go out of town... Hmm. As a tool, I find it's a very, very useful tool. Mm. But you you typically don't use it when you're in London. In town, I very rarely have it. Yeah. So two and a half, three years of learning the knowledge, and then you get given, what what do you get? You get uh, your license in a certificate. A license, and and then I get given the green badge. So you are the coveted green badge, number 30372, cab driver. Yes, but that's not my original badge. Oh, why is that? Um, I lost my original oh, page. No. That was two, um, 26078, uh-huh. which is uh, about 4,000. Well, do they not just give you another one in the same number, reissue not, it? No, no. I, I, I don't know what happened, and I don't know why to this day. I was <laughs> adjusting my badge by the Tower Hotel. I was on a rank, and for some unknown reason, it slipped through my hands, through my fingers, and directly into a drain <laughs> into the River Thames. I was heartbroken. I was so upset. <laughs> I bet you were. Uh, there's no way I could retrieve it. No. So I had to. No, I didn't have to do the. Um, you didn't have to do the, the knowledge, knowledge again. Thank God. They, they, they got a record of you as a <laughs> yes, licensed cab. Um, You'd have thought they'd just give you, issue, reissue the same no, one again. No, absolutely not. So they had to issue the next number along. The next which available was one. This one. Okay. But I've grown to like this one over the years. Though. So does that represent the actual number of. License licenses issued at that particular time. At that point, that was thirty odd thousand. Yes, I think at the present time now, 
I think we're up to 79 or 80,000, mm. something in that kind. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about the Hackney Carriage, because I didn't appreciate until I was, as I say, doing a little bit of research before I came to see you, where Hack Hackney, I think most people would probably assume Hackney has something to do with a place in East London where my, my dad grew up. But, oh, it, absolutely. but it's absolutely nothing to do with that at all, isn't it? No, it's, it? it's, uh, it's named after a particular horse, which has a particular step. Um, it's kind of a, a trotting kind of high step, um, and it's called a Hackney. Hackney. A French word. It's a French word. Yeah. And, that's, and they were um, first used to draw the old uh, handsome This is the old horse and cart cabs. Uh, yes. Yeah. Where obviously uh, the driver uh, would sit in the front. But this is going back. We're now talking way back in sort of the 17th, 17th yes. century. Yes. Yeah. And again, I don't think people probably fully appreciate, because we just, you know, cabs are just there. They're always there, aren't they, when you come <laughs> to London. But people don't understand the, the historical significance of no, no. The Hackney carriage and the black cab and how they developed through the years. Well, it, it came about from, uh, it was uh, chartered in uh, Cromwell's days. And that was in the um, 1600s. Mm -hmm. But they weren't actually licensed, as you say. I mean, they no. developed from the horse Licenses and car. And when did the first mechanised cab come about? Do you know when that was? When it uh, went from horse and cart or horse and carriage? I, I can't remember offhand, I'm afraid. I think it was in the late 1800s, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think, in fact, the first um, trying to get that uh, data um, working in my brain, I yeah. think the first mechanised uh, cab was um, an uh, electric cab, which goes to show we're com a coming full circle. Circle now. Yeah, yeah. So what's so special? I mean, are we sitting in the most current version of the cab? No, this one is quite, it's quite an elderly one. Right. Uh, a bit like its owner. <laughs> and uh, this is a, what's known as a TX2. Uh -huh. In fact, this one's coming to the end of its life. It's considered um, a dirty taxi, emission-wise. Well, it looks spotless from, from where I'm sitting. I Emi hope oh, emission-wise, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, we'll come on to that <laughs> ruling in a minute. Yeah. But this is the TX2. TX2. Which is... By you know, still a modern looking cab because oh, it's growing a, up, it's I a remember traditional, the, yeah. it's a, you'd recognize it as a traditional yeah. taxi. Yeah, it's a TX2, it's driven by a Ford engine, it, uh, so it has a, a diesel engine, and uh, that's um, I think that's uh, bought this one in 2005. Mm. The more recent ones after that, we had the TX4s, and they came along in about 2007 up to the present time. When we now we have the TX, which is the all um, electric uh, taxi. Wow. Okay, but they're famous for certain aspects, and one of them is their, their the turning the circle. turning circle, yes. which is just ridiculous. Uh, that's, uh, it turns, uh, I believe, it's uh, tw twenty-five foot. So, meaning it does a full three sixty within a twenty-five twenty-five foot, foot yeah. sort of radius yeah. of, yeah, yeah. And that's amazing. It is. Yeah, it's actually purpose made for the job. Mm. Well, they are they're. they're very comfortable cabs now you are also not only are you a cab driver a licensed cab driver but you're also mm. a qualified tour guide the worshipful company of hackney carriage drivers tourist guide i am indeed so what does that mean right <laughs> since day one of gaining my badge i always love showing my passengers whether they liked it or not the sights while they're going past mm. and I, I got a kick out of that it was always nice and I never really followed that, that up to any great degree. And then in um, 
2015, I just turned 65, giving my age away. Hell, I don't care. <laughs> uh, just turned 65, and I thought, you know something, I'd love to do something before I get too old. <laughs> I'd like to find a different challenge. I've enjoyed, as I said, I've enjoyed cab driving for a long time, but just like something else to get my teeth into. Uh-huh. And I spoke to my family, and they said, you know, my kids said, without a blink of an eye, Dad, you're a great tour guide. I said, well, how can I put myself out as a tour guide if I haven't got any formal qualifications? So uh, I got in contact with the worshipful company of Hackney Carriage Drivers, and they facilitate a course with the uh, Museum of London. It's quite an intense course, and it's purely for cab drivers who want to go on mm-hmm. to take a career up or part career in uh, guiding. And um, this is around about 2016. So I enrolled, and I went into my class, and I had been into a classroom for many, many years. It felt awfully strange. Mm-hmm. But there again, I met 23, 24 other like-minded cabbies in that same classroom all similar sort of age group or wanted to well sort of i must on? admit i was probably the most senior out of the age group <laughs> and the most respected <laughs> oh i wouldn't say that but they were an absolutely magnificent bunch uh-huh. all ages all backgrounds all genders as well so we had lots of women cab drivers in there lots of men and it, it, it was great and we all helped each other, supported each other in focusing ourselves in passing our guiding exams. Thankfully, we did. And for the first time, um, I think there's, I think there's uh, roughly about 400 taxi guides out there. But our class, the class of 2016, I'm led to understand or led to believe, is the first time that there was uh, 15 of us actually stuck together after our exams and we've formed our own cooperative of taxi guides. Oh, fantastic. So we all have our own individual interests. I have my own, which is Capital Cabby Tours, Mm -hmm. and lots of the other guys and girls have their own uh, companies as well. But as a cooperative, we formed our own company, which is Black Taxi Tours of um, London, and we help to research, develop, and support each other with tours. And um, tours that which I'm, I, I may not do on my own website, I know uh, BTTL can handle on, on um, So if you get an inquiry for something which is not within your That's sphere right. of expertise or interest, Absolutely. you'll say, I know somebody. Yeah. And you'll, you'll... I mean, a BTTL do fantastic tours to Stonehenge, mm-hmm. Bath. Uh, we have one guy doing uh, Liverpool. In fact, we done one a couple of weeks ago to, uh, to Paris, which is, which is absolutely great. Brilliant. So we're really um, enjoying that. So what are the sort of areas of, uh, or tours that you specialise in? Yeah, I, I run um, some my own theme tours. I, I, I love doing tours of uh, the Jewish East End, mm-hmm. where we uh, take in um, Spitalfields. We take a lot of the um, lovely uh, homes in Fournier Street, where the Huguenots mm-hmm. uh, first moved into. They've got wonderful homes there, 
where the master silk weavers lived. Yeah. And if you look upstairs at their lofts, they're very wide and very open with glass. That's where they used to keep their looms. As I say, uh, then we can walk around to a place like Brick Lane and Princelet Street. In Princelet Street, a wonderful street. Uh, it's very tiny. You've got the Museum of uh, Immigration there. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, the site of the first Yiddish um, theatre. Every, every doorway has another story to tell. And some of the... Um, the paintwork is still left in its original state. If you go down Brick Lane, that's full of, as we were discussing before, lots of wonderful uh, curry shops and chocolate shops. There's a ukulele store there. If you look very carefully, you can see traces of the, um, the uh, Jewish immigration there uh, in some of the, um, the drain pipes and the, uh, the guttering. You can see little... Um, Star of of, oh, really? um, of David still um, imprinted in them on the guttering. On, on why yes. on earth would they be on the guttering? I don't know. How it's bizarre! Just, it's, I don't know. There might be in a synagogue there yeah. in that particular building. Uh, there's little um, traces mm. of that. And obviously, you've got the two best uh, bagel shops. I'm sure I say bagel <laughs> shops. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> you in say bagel. <laughs> I say bagel. <laughs> uh, normally, every tour I do there normally ends up there. <laughs> yeah. And everyone fancies. But these aren't walking tours. I mean, you get out and do some walking. Yeah, now, essentially, my tours, um, the deal is I generally pick people up, uh, generally from the West End, if they're staying in hotels or a station or an airport. And I take them, they've probably looked at my um, website and uh, they've selected a tour they would like and they've emailed me or phoned me or contacted me. So we'll be able able to. Best spoke a tour specifically for them. Mm. And typically a tour would be anything from four hours to a whole day. And so uh, essentially I'd pick them up and we drive to an area. Uh, I'll park up and then we'll go out and we'll stroll around. That's providing they're up for a stroll. Sometimes they just want a complete drive-by yeah. type of tour. Yeah. And that's fine. I can do that as but well. The combination of the two is perfect, though, isn't it? It is. Because that you, way. you can get into streets that other, and you can park up in places other places yes. can't as well. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's get becoming out increasingly more difficult. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So some of the tours that you popularise, shall we say? I mean, you've got your capital highlights, Harry Potter experience. Well, I mean, what, what what does one get thrown in with that? Well, it's magic. <laughs> 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 but I should tell you, um, we we. Um, concentrate i mean lots of the harry potter franchise was filmed in london uh-huh. uh, jk rowling worked near trafalgar square so lots of her inspirations mm. came from lots of the gaslit alleyways around charing cross sure. so if uh, we generally start the tour we go to the where the leadhall um market is and that's where one of the entrances are to uh the leaky cauldron there are several uh leaky cauldrons used within the the franchise there's one there there's one near borough market Mm -hmm. as well we'll go we'll have a look at the uh millennium bridge the one which was destroyed Mm -hmm. by the uh death um 
I'm saying I'm, I'm not an aficionado oh, of, uh, right, of okay. Harry Potter. Yeah. I know, I know you got the King's Cross platform at King's Cross. Well, well yes. <laughs> um, on the King's Cross one, uh, we I do a little bit of a sneaky one. There is indeed a big queue, normally 60, 70 youngsters mm. waiting to be photographed with uh, a trolley going into a, a dummy wall right on the King's Cross uh, concourse. Mm. I go one better than that. I take them onto the actual platform where it's filmed. Excellent. And uh, I generally take a few little props, wands with me, wizarding wands. Yeah, fantastic. And we do a few uh, photo opportunities there. Yeah. The kids love it. I bet. And I love it yeah. as well. I, I'm a kid at heart. So that's a great way to, to see London. You've got the Harry Potter, you've got a Beatles London, obviously. Well, the Beatles are one I absolutely adore. Yeah, you mentioned the Beatles earlier, so you're obviously a bit of a Beatles Oh, it's fan. my era. Yeah. I grew up with the Beatles. Uh -huh. And it's absolutely, to me, that's not like work. It's just like walking down memory lane. The Beatles story captures several areas they started, of course, in Liverpool. They went to Hamburg, where they honed their mm -hmm. expertise. But it all started happening in London. When they came down here, I think it was in January 1st, 1962, they came down for an uh, audition at uh, Decker, who incidentally turned them down. Wrong move. Wrong move. <laughs> but, admittedly, the P&R uh, guy who turned them down, uh, that was Dick Rowe, the next group he did sign didn't do too bad, Rolling Stones. No. So, he did, yeah. a, he did all right, ultimately. He did, he we, did okay, we, we but the Beatles did okay. Yeah. So, we obviously take in Abbey Road. Mm. We'll visit the Beatles' homes where they lived, uh, where Paul McCartney lived and still lives. Uh, we'll visit uh, the home uh, near Marble Arch, where um, the three where three of them lived, and Jimi Hendrix. Can you imagine that? Mm. Uh, where John and Yoko lived. Uh, we'll visit right here where we are in uh, St James's, where John and Yoko first met. We'll also visit um, the Palladium, where Beatlemania was born, October 1963. The world had never seen anything like it. No. And obviously, um, I'll throw in lots of other stuff about Brian Epstein as well. Will he be playing the music I as you're driving to, along? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> it is quite an elderly cab. So the sound system I have isn't great, but there's a little loudspeaker behind on the back seat. <laughs> and we kind of get the, the gist of it. You can pipe a bit of Hey Jude through there, can't you? We, we certainly can. Yeah, and yeah. we all join in the chorus anyway. <laughs> so we have a good old... Fantastic. Yeah. And then I'll throw in some other rock and roll stuff as yeah. well. There can't be anything nicer, I would have thought, or more entertaining than coming over, I don't know, from the States or wherever they come from. Yeah, the the tourists have a lot of people from the States. Yeah. Having a guided tour of London in a black cab by someone, you know, in a specialist niche area, that, that is their passion they're getting london they're getting the black cab the iconic black cab they're getting london yeah. they're getting the beatles or you know whatever it must be fantastic they must love it and you must love it as well they do love it and you're quite right Stephen. i absolutely adore it i love the interaction with my customers yeah. i can see you've been I, smiling the whole time you've been talking about well it. <laughs> you know this is what i love to do yeah. i mean yeah i do drive my cab day to day um as a matter of course but I prefer these days to do sure, guiding. Sure. Now, we've spoken about London. We've spoken about how you become a cab driver. 
in 40 odd years, 40 plus years, you must have had some pretty interesting characters in the back of your cab. You got one or two sort of um, little anecdotal stories of things that have gone horribly wrong with some gruesome fares or some funny stories? Uh, well, Stephen, you've got to understand this is kind of like a doctor's consult- consulting room. It's well, not confidential, is it? <laughs> no, what goes on in the cab stays in the cab. Absolutely. What one on, you know, goes on tour stays on yeah, well, tour. There's no one listening to this, so you'll be all right. Oh, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I've had an amazing amount of interesting people in the taxi. We were talking about Stephen Fry before. No, they're not all my best buddies at all. Sure. Most of them, they want to get into a taxi, go from A to B as quickly as possible. Most of them are very polite and courteous and pass the time of day. But sometimes they want to do their own work, their own business, and just be quiet. Yeah, Is that more so today because they've got their phone on them and they're tapping away on the phone and there's less less communication today perhaps than there was 10 years ago? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? It it is a shame. Yeah. I've had uh, Rowan Atkinson, uh, who's a great laugh. I've had Mr. Bean, uh, you mean Mr. Bean? Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean. Yeah, Mr. Bean. Knows Mr. Bean. <laughs> had Morecambe and Wise, oh, right. both together, uh-huh. lovely people. They were very jovial. And are these fairs that just sort of flag you down on the side it, of the street? Yes, yes. yes. So what do you do when you see Morecambe Mor- Mor- and Wise sort of hailing a cab? You think, well, I must yeah. get there. <laughs> Quick, me, it's me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, in fact, in my earlier days, I would ask when a celebrity got into the taxi, if I could have their autograph. Sure. And I've had um, Sarah Brightman in, uh, a couple of times mm-hmm. she had an account with the company I work for. And uh, a lovely person. And some, sometimes I would pluck up enough courage and ask, would you mind signing an autograph? And Sarah Brightman did. I was ever so grateful. I took it home to my wife and, you know, absolutely grateful for it. And over the years... Uh, I've had lots of star, um, um, cars from Coronation Street, EastEnders, and I've built up quite a collection of autographs. And really, true, I gave all these autographs to my children, mm-hmm. who were quite young at the time. And now they've all they've grown up, all in their 30s. I said to them, why am to those autographs I gave you? Sold on eBay. <laughs> what autographs? I've seen the ones oh, no. celebrities. We didn't know any of us, just chucked them. Oh, no. How can they not know Morecambe and Wise? <laughs> but we, we, we assume everybody knows, you know, everyone that we know through yeah. the generations. So, anyway, so I haven't got much of a collection left. Oh, what a shame. Uh, they would have, they would have chucked it out if it had been someone from Towie or, or Love Island or something. It's no, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I would say a funny incident. One of my first incidents happened to me shortly after I, I passed out just quickly thinking of the years so this would have been um around about 1978 ish and uh i picked up some tourists in point of fact and i was showing them around i was just going to go into parliament square to show them the house of parliament big ben so westminster abbey and i was cutting through a little narrow street called stories gate and all of a sudden, there's a huge rumbling under the taxi. And um, all of a sudden, loads of debris, concrete start raining down on the cab. And I, I really, I had no idea what was going on. The passengers in the back had no idea. And uh, quickly, uh, as quick as you can in, in, a, in a very old London taxi at that point, 
try to accelerate out of it, pulled to a stop, feeling very shocked, got out of the taxi, and all the glass, all the windows were blown out totally. The roof was completely concaved in. Passengers, thank God, got out of the taxi, all absolutely fine, no injuries whatsoever to them, uh, taking loads of pictures of the taxi and saying you know, how wonderful the taxi is because it saved them. Mm. And uh, anyway... It turned out, because the era was 78, everyone, and I thought at that point, it was possibly something to do with the IRA. IRA terror, yeah. And uh, Parliament was sitting at that point. Uh-huh. Well, the suspense, the suspense is killing me. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> and, so, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, got out of the taxi, having a look around, and it turned out, where the Queen Elizabeth Conference Centre is now, I uh-huh. don't know if you know it. I do. It's quite a modern building yes. on the left-hand side, opposite Central uh, Methodist Central Hall. Beautiful building. They were exca- excavating the foundations from it, the previous building, which was there. They were having a controlled explosion, which went out of control. Un- <laughs> without under control. Not, not such a controlled one. No. And... It was only one injury or one casualty, and it was my tax. Oh, wow. And myself. And, obviously I and as someone who's uh, heavily involved in the insurance claims industry, I'm, I'm trusting you had a successful <laughs> claim on their liability insurance. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yes. Uh, anyway, that was before the, the, we had mobile phones in those days. Mm. And I, I, my taxi wasn't able to. Thank God it was a rented taxi. It wasn't my own. So I wasn't too bothered, but I was bothered about myself. I, I sustained a few injuries. Mm. And these, this was the day before mobile phones, cell phones, and uh, straight away police, fire, ambulance came on, on the scene in a couple of minutes. And um, I was carted off to a hospital. And uh, eventually, uh, after a few hours, I thought, I better phone my wife up. And to say, you know, do you think, and, uh, you know, tell her what happened. Mm. Well, she already knew what happened because it'd been on TV. Right. And she'd been trying to contact me. And she didn't know it was you, though? Oh, well, no. I mean, she no, saw... she'd seen the... Um, did she know it was a cab that had been... She knew it was a cab, but didn't right. realise it was me. Right. And uh, so when I filled her in, she was almost shocked as I was. I bet. And, yeah. uh, anyway, well, you're, here to, you're here to tell the tale. Absolutely. It's all well yeah. ends well. And yeah, that absolutely. Was good. It was all good. Well, it's been an absolute delight to uh, be sitting in the back of your, your lovely cab, your TX2, I think it is. Thank you. you. You got plans to get a new one, or are you going to let this one see out your days? as? Well, this one be... comes off the road, I think, next year. By um, forced by legislation? Yes. Yeah, due to its emissions. So I don't think I'm quite ready to right. go so you're just keep going. yet. Yeah. So I'm going to keep going for a, another lap or two. Good for you. Good for you, because we, we, uh, need, we need people like you. And cabbies have a, a reputation for being a little bit, f- you know, being talkative, which you are, being fearsome, sometimes which you're not, <laughs> but they're not always got the best uh, best reputation when they're on the road, have they? You know, they can be a bit street hogs, road hogs, you know, <laughs> dropping off fares where they want, doing three point turns where they want, but you're not like that, are you? You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. No, he's, uh, he's gone. No, he's no, gone we're very, very quiet. No, no we're, we're very <laughs> proud. We're very protective of our industry. Yes. I'm, I'm, I must say that, and we always try to conduct ourselves to 
the utmost. Sometimes it's, we do things, for instance, if a passenger is going along, going up a street, and the passenger says, oh, driver, stop here, please. I've got to, that's where I've got to go. And sometimes you have just to stop there. Mm. Or, driver, can you drop me on the other side of the road? Mm. We have no alternative but to do what we can do. Yeah. Joking aside, I mean, yeah, that's fine. I mean, obviously, there's all sorts of people in every profession. So, you know, that that's fine. But joking aside, the the cab drivers actually do some very good charitable work as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and they, there's one thing in particular they do on a regular basis, which is for children. For children. Just, just very briefly, just touch on that, if you will. <clears throat> there's several organisations. The Worshipful Company of uh, Hackney Carriage Drivers helped to organise this, taking children underprivileged uh, children out to um, trips, been to Disneyland, down to uh, the coast in in the the UK. Um, We've put on Mad Hatter's tea parties in the past. That was at the Grosvenor Hotel. Mm, Lovely. Huge success. Everyone enjoyed themselves, particularly the cabbies and all the helpers as well. And, yeah, we get our... um, enjoyment from looking at the uh, children's yeah, faces. fantastic so it's a, it's an ancient well, i wouldn't quite go far ancient but it's a historic industry that you're in and it's right up to date as you say by getting new emission free low emission cabs coming out in the next what next year 18 months or so i think well uh, or they're even out now i think aren't they they've yeah, been out for the last yeah, 18 yeah, months so they're being rolled out and you're you're uh, next up absolutely um i say i haven't actually driven one yet uh i've had Lots of opinions of what they're like, and uh, the jury's still out. I understand there will be more manufacturers coming in. They'll be improved and upgraded, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they'll, and you know, as with all things, competition is good. Yeah. Well, it's important we go down this route, obviously, for uh, for the wider good. So again, thank you very much. It's been a it's been a treat to be in the back back of your cab. It's the longest time I've been in the back of the cab without having been charged a penny. So. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. Oh, At least I trust you didn't put the uh, the meter on no, no, before we off. started. <laughs> that's great. Now, just before we wind up, um, we're at the stage of the uh, the conversation where I always ask all of my guests to name a couple of places in London that are particularly, I don't know, personal to them, which are a secret favourite or something. And you must have a load of places because you're so familiar with London. Are there one or two places you could tell us about that, you know, are personal to you? Oh, this is really isn't fair. <laughs> my mind, I change my mind on a constant basis. London is so full of lovely things. Sure. Uh, I think I'm going to, well, we've spoken about Spitalfields. Yes. That's an absolute favourite of mine. Another very tiny area, which I absolutely adore, is a little area called Colbrook Row and Duncan Terrace. That's in Islington. Um, it's a very narrow street. Um lovely original Georgian terrace houses, a lovely church. It's the route, uh, although it's covered over now, that the, uh, the new uh, river loop took when it came down in the 1600s by Sir Hugh um, Middleton. There's also beautiful weeping willow trees there, and uh, as well as the, where the new river ran, uh, on the other side of it, uh, we have a, a bridge which goes over the Regent's Canal, uh, which was designed by, uh, surprisingly, John Nash. He, he gave us uh, Regent Street and Regent's mm. Park. He also helped to design the Regent's Canal. Mm. And that was in the 18, uh, late 
1800s. And sometimes I go down onto the towpath there and just people watch and watch the, the traffic on the actual canal, the barges, and people walking their dogs. It's so peaceful. And people walking yeah, hand in hand lovely. with each other. It's just an ideal spot. Don't tell anyone because everyone will No, I'm not. And I'm not going to ask you for any more, actually, <laughs> because that's such a perfect one to end on. Oh, that's good. And that's lovely. And um, if anyone wants to go there i'm sure they can look you up and you can you can oh, take them there absolutely. and you can uh, show delight. them your your little secret place that you'll have to go to when you have a moment to yourself that's fantastic david off you go how can people get in touch with you right uh con- well, they can contact me on um, my email which is david at capital uh the website is www capitalcabbytours.com and I believe you're on social media as well so you've got an Instagram account we have on Instagram but I can't remember you've no idea what it is is that in your name it's in Capital Cabby Capital Cabby so people can just find you on that well that's absolutely great so if anybody wants to book a tour or find out a little bit more about the tours you specialise in or just want to find out a little bit more about London or have you bespoke the tour just just want to chat chat about London I'll be happy to talk to anyone John or David as he's better known is is, is there (laughs) to to make your day special in London once again thank you very much David it's been an absolute treat and I look forward to uh, hailing you uh, as a fair next time I'm in London absolutely thank you Steve I thoroughly enjoyed it pleasure experience take care Every week here at Your London Legacy, we bring straight to your device a new and fascinating guest with a wonderful London-based story. We hope you enjoy listening to their timeless stories as much as we enjoy creating them for you. If so, the best way to show your appreciation is to subscribe to the show. Simply go to www.yourlondonlegacy.com and pop your name and email in the box where shown. That way, you'll never miss another episode. Thank you for your support.